Chapter 6 of Grace Harlow with the American Army on the Rhine by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter 6 Messing with a Brigadier. The car has gone. Yes, Mrs. Gray. One of our men drivers took it out under orders this morning, the sergeant informed her. Whose orders? Captain Grant's. No provision, then, has been made for a car for me, questioned Grace. Not that I'm aware of. Sorry, but I can't help it. It's orders. I understand, Sergeant. I think a hike will do myself and my friend good. Would you like a ride on a truck? Of course, if necessary, but I think we prefer to walk, thank you. I always did enjoy hiking. You don't know whether or not the car has gone on. It was on less than five minutes before you came out. Four women in it, the same ones you carried before. Thank you, Sergeant. May I offer you a package of cigarettes? He said she might, and thanked her, a broad grin on his face. The old party hasn't passed out a thing since we started, he informed her. I know it. She informs me that none will be distributed from the canteen until we reach the Rhine. Thank you very much for your kindness. Grace returned to their cellar, where she found Elfrida awaiting her with more or less impatience. Their mess kits and other supplies were packed. Where is the car? I didn't hear you drive up, questioned Miss Briggs. Mrs. Chadsey Smythe took the car and a soldier driver and went on, I am informed. What? You and I are going to enjoy a lovely twelve-mile walk this morning, and I know it will do us a world of good. We have been riding too much since we came over here. I call that an outrage, expostulated J. Elfrida. What about all this stuff? We will carry our own kits. Our bags and what little government property we have here, we will try to get on a truck. The rest will be easy. I had an interview with Madame in her cellar this morning. I tried to come to an amicable settlement of our difficulties, but she threatened me and drove me out. It is quite evident that General Gordon has not taken action as he said he would. However, I feel that we are going to be all right, and that we shall arrive at the Rhine flying high. Tell me about it, urged Elfrida. Grace did so, her companion listening with narrowed eyes. This passes all comprehension, Grace. I can't believe that the woman is so bad as she would have us think her. You must admit that she is a good American, else she would not be here, suffering all the discomforts of army life. That is the way I have reasoned it out, Elfrida. And that is why I went to see her this morning, hoping that after yesterday she might have seen a light. Instead, she saw red, added Grace, smiling up at her companion. Let's get our luggage out, and I will look up one of our unit's wagons. Perhaps we may arrange our day's journey quite satisfactorily. 
They were fortunate in finding one of their own camions that was just starting out, and the driver was more than willing to take their belongings and ask them to ride through with him, but Grace said they preferred to walk, now that their car had gone on without them. The Overton girls set out bravely, falling in behind the regiment with which they had been billeted. There were many offers of a ride on wagons of their train and doughboys frequently urged them to turn over their kits, to all of which Grace gave a smiling thank you and shook her head. They were two weary girls when they arrived at their objective and while Elfreda was in search of a cellar, Grace looked up the driver who had their belongings and carried them to the side of the street to a point where Elfreda was to meet her. "'I have a whole house for us,' cried Miss Briggs, running up to Grace nearly half an hour later. "'It is what is left of a peasant cottage. Part of the roof is shot away, but what is left of it will cover us very nicely.' There is a fireplace where we can make our tea and enough pieces of board about to make a roaring fire and keep us warm. Fine. Help me carry the things in, then I will report our location to Company A's commander. I don't suppose you chance to know where Mrs. Smythe's billet is? Neither know nor care, Grace Harlowe. I have troubles of my own, the principal one being a pair of feet that weigh several pounds above normal. Let's go. Grace was delighted with their quarters and the two girls promptly set about arranging their belongings. Captain Grace then reported their billet to a lieutenant of Company A, which was according to orders. When she returned to the cottage, a car was standing before it and Elfreda was at the door of the house watching for her. What is it? General Gordon's car, said Elfreda. He has sent it for us, requesting that we mess with him. It strikes me that this is moving some. I hope Chad doesn't hear of it, or she will have us drawn and quartered at sunrise. Grace stepped out to the driver. Can you wait fifteen minutes, buddy? We simply must slick up before we go. Yes, Mrs. Gray, take your time. The girls changed their clothes, brushed their hair and put on clean boots and came out fit for the most rigid inspection. The general's driver was not a slow driver and ten minutes later they halted before a cottage that appeared to be whole. It was about the only one in town that escaped the deluge of Hun steel that had been hurled on the little French village. The general met the Overton girls at the door and led them in. Captain Boucher was there, and a Major Colt, who was a member of the Balloon Corps, and to whom he introduced both women. A cheerful fire was blazing in the wide fireplace, and a table was set for five, while a Chinaman was cooking the supper over the fire. "'How cheerful!' exclaimed Grace. We too have a cottage and a fireplace, but we lack a roof, and what heat doesn't go up the chimney goes through the place where the roof once was. How is your superior behaving today? questioned the general quizzically. I don't know, not having seen her since early morning, sir. I wish to make a confession to you, and now is the proper time to do so. 
I feel that I took an inexcusable advantage of you yesterday in telling you of my supervisor's shortcomings in her presence. Mrs. Chadsey Smythe was the woman I referred to, and she was in the car when I told you the story. She also, of course, heard you express your opinion of her. I owe you an apology, General, but do not see how you can overlook what I did. General Gordon laughed heartily. No apology is necessary. I knew that it was she to whom you referred. Even had I not known it, her face would have told me. I expressed myself as I did, partly for her own good. I take it that she hasn't been driving with you today. No, sir. She preferred to drive with someone else. When do we reach the Rhine, if I may ask, sir? Four or five days hence. We could do it in much less time, but the enemy is moving slowly, and you know we cannot hurry him, much as we should like to. Things have been moving smoothly thus far, but I am of the opinion that we shall meet with little friendliness after we cross the Moselle. So you ladies hiked through today, eh? Grace's face flushed, and Elfrida looked amazed. Yes, sir. So long as you have mentioned the subject. May I ask how you know? questioned Grace. Our intelligence department hears and sees all things, the general informed her, waving a hand toward Captain Boucher. Are you quite positive as to that, general? returned Captain Grace suggestively. "'What do you mean?' demanded the captain, pricking up his ears. "'I was wondering if the intelligence department had reason to believe we had spies with us in this army of invasion,' smiled the Overton girl. She observed a quick flash in the eyes of the intelligence officer, followed by an expression of inquiry there. "'We will be seated now, if you please.' "'Sorry, Mrs. Gray, that we can offer you nothing better than a board to sit on. "'A board for a seat is luxury compared with what we have had for the last several evenings. "'Miss Briggs and myself have been dining sitting on a cellar floor,' replied Grace brightly, "'taking a seat at the right of the General, Elfrida being placed between Captain Boucher and Major Colt on the opposite side of the table.' To return to your hike, I am very sorry that you did not inform me of the difficulty. Was the action taken without notice to you? Yes, sir. What led up to it? Had you any conversation with Mrs. Smythe last evening? Not last evening. I had this morning. It was this way, sir. I went to her headquarters and tried to get her to see the matter in a right light and at the same time to warn her that I could tolerate no further insults from her. I should prefer to say nothing about it, for I do not like to talk behind a person's back, much preferring to speak out when that person is present and can answer. So I observed the other day. I don't know about finding another car for you, but in any event, I will see that you and Miss Briggs have places in an officer's car for the rest of the journey. Have you ever been up in the air, Mrs. Gray? interjected Major Colt. Grace said she had, and related her experience when on a flight with Hippy Wingate, which interested and amused the officers very much. Never been in an observation balloon? 
questioned the Major. No, sir. With the General's permission, I should be glad to have you go up with me, and Miss Briggs too, though she would have to go in another car, or else wait until a later date, for the basket is not roomy enough for so many. If I am permitted to say so without offence, I believe I should prefer to remain on the ground, spoke up J. Elfreda. I have no ambition to soar. How about you, Mrs. Gray? I should be delighted, sir. Done. Tomorrow, if the weather looks promising. Otherwise, on the following day, if that is agreeable. Grace said it was. I warn you, though, she added, that you will be taking desperate chances if I go with you. How so? Mrs. Gray means that something always happens when she is along, Elfreda informed them. Nothing very serious can interfere with us now, soothed the Major. There are no Bosch airplanes to shoot us down, no enemy artillery to shoot off our cables, and, being attached to trucks, we shall move along slowly and steadily behind the army with a wonderful view spread out before us. I know I shall enjoy it until... Until what? demanded the General. Until the cable breaks returned Captain Grace, with a twinkle in her eyes. "'I will let you hear from me early in the morning, Mrs. Gray. "'And I will have a car to take you to the balloons, or on toward the front,' added the General. "'Then that is settled.' "'You spoke of spies a few moments ago,' spoke up Captain Boucher inquiringly. "'I was wondering if you had anything in mind.' Likewise, I was wondering if you were having any spy scares, answered Grace. Captain Boucher reflected briefly. We are, he said. I am revealing no military secrets when I say that we are. You may speak frankly before Mrs. Gray, Captain, interjected the General. She is something of an investigator herself, and if ever you get in a pickle, call on her to assist you. "'And make a mess of the case,' finished Captain Grace. "'Pardon me. "'Military information of a vital nature is percolating to the enemy. "'Of course an army always has and always will have traitors in it, "'enemy subjects, I mean. "'But we thought we had stopped all the leaks. "'It appears that we haven't.' "'It is an impossible task, Captain,' observed Grace.' So long as there are wars, there will be spies, added the general. All that we can do is our best to minimise the evil and deal sternly with those who we catch. Our people in Washington have not been in sympathy with stern measures, and the enemy knows this. The result is they have been very bold. It was Mrs. Gray, I understand, Captain, who was responsible for the capture of the spy Andre. "'And Madame de Beaupre,' added Captain Boucher. "'Oh, you know about it, then?' exclaimed General Gordon. "'Yes.' "'Suppose we change the subject,' suggested Grace, her face flushing. "'I never did like to hear myself talked about. "'May I ask if we are using carrier pigeons on this march?' "'She questioned innocently. "'Not to speak of.' We have them, of course, but our lines of communication are so open that birds are not needed. We have sent out a few in an experimental way, but that is all. 
In which direction did they fly, sir, if I may ask? Westward, of course. Why do you ask? demanded the captain, bending a keen glance on the face of the Overton girl. I wondered. Will you be good enough to tell you, Mrs. Gray, why you appear to be so interested in carrier pigeons at this moment? urged the intelligence officer. Yes. What have you to suggest? added the general. That you watch the skies in the early morning. Pigeons are being flown from this army in the early morning, and, sir, they are flying to the eastward. Grace Harlow informed them in a quiet tone. End of chapter 6 Recording by Ashley Jane